Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. In this episode, we're going to be discussing another one of the so-called three victories of Jesus. And in this one, whereas last episode we looked at Genesis 3 and the problem that came out of that, which was namely death and sin, and how Jesus reversed and solved that problem, we're going to look today at another problem, which is found in Genesis 6 specifically the first five verses, and how what Jesus did actually also reversed and solved this problem as well. So if you'll recall, in Genesis 6, 1 through 5, it tells us about a second spiritual rebellion, which ends up with all of the sinning on earth getting so bad that God decides just to to clear the table and to start over. And in the Jewish book of First Enoch, which was something that would have been considered by the Jews, including the Jews of Jesus's day, to be the quote-unquote rest of the story about the rebellion that we find in Genesis 6, 1 through 5. That what what they describe in First Enoch is that these fallen sons of God not only created hybrid, basically aberrant lines of creation with humans, which were known as Nephilim, but that they also taught humans how to be more effective sinners and to destroy one another better so that the violence that was already on the earth just increased in a, in a massive way. Fornication and deviant sexual behavior increased. Drug use and occult practices increased and and more. You get the idea that they took everything that was already bad and they basically turned the volume up to 11. And these beings are also the best candidates for the angels, which are bound in chains of darkness, which we read about in Jude 6 and in 2 Peter 2.4. In fact, if you read those verses and you go back and you try to find a reference point for what Jude and Peter are talking about in those verses in the Old Testament, you really won't find anything. There is no reference to angels being bound in chains of gloomy darkness in the Old Testament, but there is a reference to it in this book of First Enoch. And again, I think we've covered this before, but First Enoch is a book which the church by and large did not choose to include in the canon of Scripture. And I think for some good reasons. However, it is worth noting that there are churches like the Ethiopian church, for example, which do include First Enoch in their Bibles. And if nothing else, it's just good to know that in Jesus's day, this would have been considered a source of legitimate information about these spiritual beings. And so even if it turns out that it's not... Uh, historically accurate or that we should be drawing all of our theology from it, it is helpful to know that the people in Jesus's day, including some of the writers of the New Testament, did think this way. And so if we want to understand what point they're making, we need to understand what sources they're using and how they're thinking about it. 
So what we read uh, as we tie this into Jesus and his victory over these beings, and not only these beings, but even just the the increase in sinfulness and all these other things that they brought about, this, this spirit of rebellion, of making everything worse. What we read in Mark chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 17 about Jesus's transfiguration is really fascinating because the only real candidate in, in the geography of the region where Jesus and his disciples would have been for this so-called high mountain that they would have gone up to where Jesus is transfigured would have been known as Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon happens to be the very same mountain that these sons of God were supposed to have descended onto to begin their rebellion in Genesis 6, according to First Enoch and other Jewish traditions. So this means that Jesus isn't calling out the devil specifically when he's doing his transfiguration. He is calling basically these spiritual forces of darkness out by choosing this place to reveal his glory. He's essentially marking this territory for the kingdom of God. It was at one point territory that was sort of taken by these rebellious spiritual forces, and now Jesus is taking it back. And he's taking it back for the kingdom of God, and he's demonstrating just a glimpse of his real, raw power, as if to say to these forces of spiritual darkness, you can try and come take it back if you'd like, but it's not going to happen. And the reason that this is important, I think, is two things. One, there is a real issue here that Jesus is addressing, and it's not an issue that has to do with Genesis 3 and the serpent and the fall. And we tend to sort of collapse everything that's wrong with the world into Genesis 3, and that's just simply not the case. So part of what Jesus is redeeming people out of and calling them out of is their bondage and their slavery to all this sinfulness that was stirred up and made even worse by this spiritual rebellion. And so Jesus is taking this territory back from the enemy. And another reason that we... And another reason that it's good to know about this is because if we try and read the New Testament and Jesus's ministry through the lens of everything has to do with Genesis 3 and the devil, then certain acts of Jesus, like his transfiguration, for instance, and when and where it took place, really aren't going to make much sense to us. And that is because, of course, I don't think that what Jesus had in mind here was something to do with Genesis 3 or the devil. And so knowing that, it helps us to frame these events in light of their proper context, and it helps to give more gravitas, more weight to what Jesus is doing here when we have a better understanding of what his intentions really were. So I hope you'll join me tomorrow. We're going to dive back in and we're going to look at another victory of Jesus, solving another issue with the world that comes again read out of the book of Genesis. 